0: Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio, and this episode is being brought to you by Carnivora. With so much fear, confusion, and conspiracy theories on the coronavirus, it's getting difficult for people to know What's the truth and exactly what they should be doing to keep their immune system at its optimal level? Well, today I'm going to be covering some basic germ 101. We'll discuss immune-boosting foods and supplements. We're going to be talking about face masks and gloves. Plus, I'll be answering some of your questions. If you want to know how to keep your immune system at its optimal level for this coronavirus pandemic and beyond, don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman. Changing lives just for the health of it. First thing I want to talk about is this global pandemic, a health crisis so bad, 48% of Americans and 1.2 billion people worldwide have become a statistic. And I'm not talking about the coronavirus. It's a different pandemic that the media is not talking about. It's called the vitamin D deficiency pandemic. I cannot tell you how many times a day a patient comes in and says to me, Doc, I just got my blood test back, and I have, and I cut them off. I interrupt them, and I finish their sentence. I say, you have a vitamin D deficiency. They look at me puzzled and say, how did you know I was going to say that? Well, because one out of two people in the U.S. have a lack of vitamin D in their system. That's either you or your neighbor. Vitamin D is also known as the sunshine vitamin. It's crucial for our immune system to function at its optimal level, and vitamin D helps the body combat fungal, viral, and bacteria infections. And the major reason we're so deficient in vitamin D is, you guessed it, a lack of sunshine. Over 90% of the vitamin D in the human body is produced by sunshine. So it's not a vitamin that we can get enough of through our diet. We need to get it Through sunshine. And people, you know, they're so afraid of sunshine. Seems like everything has sun protection on it, you know, from clothes, cosmetics, to shampoo. I even saw nail polish with SPF 15 on the label. Heaven forbid we get a little sunshine through our cuticles and nails. (laughs) It's ridiculous. The good news is, when it comes to sunshine, we only need about 15, 20 minutes a day to get the immune boosting vitamin D that we require for 24 hours. And how ironic, skin doesn't begin to burn until it's exposed to the sun for 15 to 20 minutes. See, the sun isn't bad for us. It does not cause skin cancer. I cover that in my book, Food Sanity. Sunburns cause skin cancer cancer. So staying six feet away from people to avoid the coronavirus contamination, hey, that's a great idea, but we shouldn't confuse social distancing with sunshine and fresh air distancing. I have a neighbor who's literally barricaded his family inside. He's nailed plywood on all the windows like he's bracing for a category four hurricane to hit. That's the absolute worst thing he could be doing for him and his family to support their immune system. I wrote an article on why Fresh air and sunshine is crucial when it comes to combating the coronavirus. And my article's gone viral, pun intended. So far, 2.5 million views. I urge everyone to read it at drdavidfriedman.com. And in this, I share some really credible science from resources showing the health benefits of sunshine and fresh air. I share reports from PLOS One Medical Journal, American Journal of Infection Control, the American Journal of Microbiology, the British Medical Journal, and T.H. Chain School of Public Health, just to name a few. And these studies all share two things. Sunshine is a great proactive defense against the coronavirus. The World Health Organization shared how heat kills the SARS coronavirus in 15 minutes. The Lancet Medical Journal found UV light destroys the nucleic acid of the SARS virus. Well, guess what? What? the SARS coronavirus happens to share 90% of its DNA with the current coronavirus that causes the COVID-19. In addition to sunshine giving us immune-boosting vitamin D, it produces something that viruses don't thrive well in, heat. This is why when you get the flu, guess what happens? You get a fever. Why? It's your body's attempt at bringing up your temperature to destroy the virus. So sunshine raises your temperature, which helps to kill disease-causing microorganisms. If you're in an area where it's not sunny out, take a hot bath or use a sauna. Anything that you can do to increase your core temperature is going to help make the body more resistant to disease-causing microorganisms. That's basic science. Another problem with staying cooped up inside binge-watching Netflix all day is... You're breathing in dirt, dust, and dander, which can create more airborne attachments for bacteria and viruses. Dirty air also weakens the immune system. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, the air inside our home is up to five times more polluted than the air outside. The EPA ranks indoor air pollution among the top five environmental risks to public health. Indoor air can leave people more prone to sinus infections, cough, asthma, and other respiratory illnesses. While well, since COVID-19 primarily affects the lungs, it makes common sense that breathing in fresh air would help. Social distancing six feet away from somebody indoors is far riskier than being separated from that same person six feet away outdoors. And I recently did an experiment that I'm going to be featuring in an upcoming article, but it's something you can try at home using an apple. It's really easy to do. The air contains particles and, you know, free radicals and dust. And when we breathe these into our lungs, it can lead to something called oxidative stress. It creates inflammation and destruction of our cells. So here's an easy experiment. Take an apple, slice it in half, and leave half that apple outside in the sun, in the fresh air, and I want you to put the other half indoors in your kitchen. Come back in six hours, and here's what you're going to find. The apple slice that was inside will be browner than the one outside. Well, the reason for this is inside air destroys the living cells of an apple quicker than outside air. What do you think happens when we breathe in this inside air into our lungs? It also destroys our living cells at an accelerated rate, just like it did the apple's living cells. Another thing you can do to boost your immune system is drink water with lemon. There's another apple experiment you can do showing you the powerful cellular protection that lemons offer. Get two slices of an apple, put one on the countertop, and squeeze lemon juice on one side, okay? Then, not on the other, and I want you to come back in six hours, and guess what you're going to find? The apple slice that you squeeze lemon juice on will look freshly cut. And the one without the lemon juice, guess what? It's going to be brown. Because it's dying, it's being destroyed. See, lemons are a natural antioxidant that helps combat free radicals in the air. So, if you want to boost your immune system and you want to stay healthy, drink lemon water every day. It's also a great liver detox. I'm drinking lemon water right from talking. Got it right here. I love it. If you want an antiseptic that you can clean countertops, doorknobs, and other surfaces, lemon juice can also be used to kill disease-causing microorganisms. Organisms. Okay, let's talk about the number one most important part of the body when it comes to our immune system, the gut. Over 2,000 years ago, Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, said all disease begins in the gut. Well, if we fast forward to 2020, science has proven this to be true. You see, 70% of our immune system is in our gut. Our microbiome, a group of good bacteria, that lives within our gut, helps control our immune system. So when a microbiome isn't healthy, this makes us more prone to disease and infection. And, you know, the saddest thing for me during this whole pandemic has been seeing people hoard sugar and sodium-loaded processed junk food filled with chemicals and preservatives instead of gut-healthy fruits, berries, and vegetables. See, processed foods wreak havoc on the gut, And this can lower our ability to fight the coronavirus. But that's what people are buying at the grocery stores, that and toilet paper. You know, berries and fruits and veggies... They make the gut stronger, and they can also be frozen and eaten later. So you can freeze them just like you can your frozen TV dinners that you're buying. I also noticed microwave popcorn has been flying off the shelves. Well, the bag of that microwave popcorn contains PFOA. That stands for perfluorooctanoic acid. That's a mouthful to say but it's literally a mouthful if you're eating microwavable popcorn. This chemical is an endocrine disruptor and it can also damage the gut and decrease the immune system. So you're watching your Netflix inside, breathing that stale air, and you're eating popcorn from the microwave popcorn bag and you're destroying your gut. You're ruining your immune system. It's not healthy. I did an entire podcast called What's Your Gut Telling You? I urge you to listen to this. you can find the episode on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and of course, to toyourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And in this segment, I cover why so many people are having gut issues and what you can do about it. A healthy gut means a healthy immune system. Now, I'm sure you heard by now, everyone, uh, the the name uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's the key member of the government's Corona Task Force. He's no stranger if you flip on the news. Well, he recently announced that he recommends people stop shaking hands indefinitely, even after the COVID-19 outbreak has run its course. He says we should never shake hands again. And folks, in my opinion, that is the absolute worst recommendation ever. If people are afraid to shake hands, then they shouldn't hug or kiss, right? That would get them infected. And that makes you more susceptible to germs, actually. And if you're Got couples out there that aren't hugging and kissing. That means no more sex. And I guess that's gonna solve the overpopulation problem since less children will be born. You know, I can see it now. You're gonna get married, and the preacher's gonna say, I now pronounce you man and wife, you may fist bump the bride. I mean, it's ridiculous. Let me give you a little germ 101 lesson. Current research shows human cells make up only 43% of the body's total cell count. The rest are pretty much microscopic colonists, and this includes bacteria, viruses, and fungi. And that's right, almost 60% of your body consists of germs. We're exposed to over 60,000 different types of germs on a daily basis. Basis, 60,000 a day. We need these germs to help us build our immunity. Everyone has become so germophobic over the years, you know, parents don't even let their kids play in the dirt. That dirt, folks, is the best defense to building up a child's immune system. We're such germophobes, and it's making us sicker. You know, when I was in college, I took a course called microbiology. In lab class, all the students took a swab of the back of their throats, and they rubbed it on a Petri dish. We then came back a couple days later to see what everyone was growing, and 60% of the students in that class had Staph aureus, growing in their petri dish but nobody had a staph infection 70 percent had streptococcus growing in that petri dish no one had strep throat half the class had herpes simplex in their petri dish not one person in that room had a herpes outbreak we are hosts to many germs on a daily basis and when the body's healthy guess what folks It has the ability to combat disease-causing germs. This is called homeostasis. When the body is compromised, these germs seize the opportunity to flourish inside our body, and we get sick. When does the herpes simplex virus become active? During times of stress, right? This is why you see college students with herpes, blisters, and canker sores On their lips during final exams, that's a time when they're stressed out, they aren't sleeping, they're eating junk food, which all makes for a perfect breeding ground for the herpes virus to flourish. Same for the coronavirus. Many people are carriers of this virus and are showing no symptoms. Who's at the greatest risk of getting COVID-19? The elderly and those that are immunocompromised. By enhancing our immune system, we can make our body less attractive to disease-causing organisms, including the coronavirus. Okay, so how do we increase our immune system? Well, for starters, one of the biggest causes of disease is stress. In fact, research shows stress is ranked as the number one contributing factor to physical and emotional sickness. This includes heart disease, obesity, suicide, depression, and even cancer. Now, how do you combat stress? Well, first thing you can do is turn off the news. Yeah, some of you folks out there are watching or listening to the doom and gloom news all day long. The media is fear-based. Their theme is, if it bleeds, it leads. The more fearful that the media can make you, the more eyeballs that they're going to get, the more sponsorship money they bring in. You know, when Tom Hanks got infected by the coronavirus, it made the top story of every TV news channel and the cover of every newspaper. But you know what? We didn't hear a thing about Tom after he fully recovered in a couple weeks, did we? When a building burns down and three people die, that makes the news. Not the 75 people the firemen saved from that burning building. Turn off the news. Life goes on. You don't need to be glued to it. Instead, listen to some music. Take a walk, watch a comedy. You know, research shows laughter decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, which does what? It improves your resistance to disease. Laughter also triggers the release of endorphins, the body's natural feel-good chemicals. So let's go over some few other easy things you can do to keep your immune system in check. First, there's hand-washing. Yes, that is true. You should get into the habit of doing this, but don't substitute using hand sanitizer for washing your hands. Hand sanitizers contain ethyl alcohol, which only keeps some germs from growing. And the downside of using alcohol on the skin is it strips away the vital dermal skin oils and destroys protective cells that naturally keep us safe from infections manufacturers of hand sanitizers claim their product kills quote 99.99 percent of all germs well folks that is very far from the truth in fact you can research this there are many germs not destroyed by hand sanitizers including salmonella e coli the human parvo, botulism, anthrax, H1N1, and the norovirus. Hepatitis-causing blood and feces are also unaffected by hand sanitizers. Well, what about the coronavirus? Actually, hand sanitizers are not effective in preventing the coronavirus like these media outlets are claiming. A 2019 study published by the American Society of Microbiology looked at ethanol-based disinfectants' ability to kill the flu virus. And the researchers found it took almost four minutes for the hand sanitizer to eliminate the virus compared to simply washing hands with antiseptic soap, which worked in just... Thirty seconds. So 30 seconds, soap, and four minutes for the hand sanitizer. And how many people sit there with hand sanitizer for four minutes? Nobody. Hand sanitizers also contain a chemical called benzophenone 4, which the Environmental Working Group warns to stay clear of because it's an endocrine-disrupting chemical. Hand sanitizers were developed to use in a pinch when soap and water wasn't available. That's what hand sanitizers are for, not to be used instead of washing your hands. You know, these hand sanitizers are turned into this acceptable substitute for washing your hands. It's not true. Don't use that instead of washing your hands. And if you're out and about and you have no access to soap and water, right, what am I going to do, doc? Make your own hand sanitizer using natural plant extracts known as essential oils. They have powerful antibacteria, antiviral and antifungal properties and Research presented at the ninety eighth general assembly uh, General Assembly of the American Society of Microbiology showed oregano. Thyme and rosewood oils are a powerful remedy against many tough germs, even those that are not fully destroyed by ethyl alcohol like the coronavirus. Here's an easy recipe you can do to make your own. Mix four ounces of water with 10 drops of essential oils and a half cupful of of white vinegar. If you want a thicker consistency, you can add some aloe vera gel that keeps the hands soft and use that instead. Of water and for more germ fighting protection, of course, you can add a few drops of lemon juice. And then, what you do is you store them in travel size containers that will fit conveniently in a pocket, purse, or glove box. Bring those with you if you don't have soap and water, but if you have access, wash your hands, soap and water. It's the key. All right, let's talk about face masks first you know the cdc recommended don't wear them they're useless and then they changed their advice and said oh we should wear face masks and what are we supposed to believe right all this conflicting back and forth well the coronavirus spreads through tiny particles known as aerosols which can penetrate masks surgical masks do not provide reliable protection from inhaling smaller airborne particles And they do not offer respiratory protection. What's my reference for that statement? CDC.gov. Go read it yourself. That's an exact quote from their website. Only face masks labeled as N95 have been shown to reduce the wearer's exposure to small particle aerosols so those aren't available so instead what are people doing they're using masks made out of bras bandanas i've seen them made out of coffee filters and even diapers and folks none of these have been shown to offer protection against the coronavirus not to mention people are reusing them and that can create a higher risk of contamination and some people are sliding their masks up on top of their head when someone's not around And then sliding it down on their face and nose when they're out in public. Well, because your forehead and hair isn't protected, when you slide down your mask, guess what? You can bring those germs directly into your mouth and nose. Wearing face masks can help large particles and droplets, you know, they can protect you from that if coughing or sneezing is taking place of somebody that's sick. So if you're infected, hey, that's great, wear them. Just make sure you're doing so sensibly. Throw them out at the end of the day. Don't reuse them. If it's a handmade version from something like maybe, you know, that you've made out of cloth. I've seen a lot of these on the internet, how to make them and sew them. And wash it. Put it in the washer. Don't reuse it the next day. All right, let's talk about wearing gloves. This is another misnomer that is giving people a false sense of security. When you wear gloves and you touch your face, guess what? It's like not wearing them at all. You'd have to change your gloves every time you touched something or wash and disinfect them as often as you would your hands. So I want you to think of gloves as being just a a second layer of skin instead of the germs sticking to your fingers. They stick to the gloves around your fingers, so there's no benefit to wearing gloves instead of washing your hands. No benefit. Also, most people don't know how to put on and take off the gloves the right way, and the majority, here's what they do, and they're taking off the glove, and they're using their bare hand to take off the other one. Well... If there's any germs on that glove, you just contaminated your hand. <laughs> I I find it odd how, you know, people are, you know, worried covering up their hands and their nose and their mouth, and I see people around, but guess what they're doing? They're neglecting the most common place that a virus enters the body through the eyes. You see if somebody sneezes or coughs near you, most people hold their breath and they avoid getting the infected particles right. They don't want to breathe it, put it in their nose or mouth. Well, that's not the best way to protect yourself from getting sick. Most airborne infections get into your system through the eyes. That's right. The eyes have it. Your mouth and nose have immune protectors. Your salivary gland produces what's called IgA antibodies, which helps destroy dangerous germs. And your tonsils also act as a buffer. And Your nose actually contains something called T-cell sentinels, which help prevent pathogens from spreading to the lungs, and it also has tiny hairs that filter out germs, and that's why we get boogers. However, your eyes have very little protection. That's it. In the corner of your eyelid, there's actually a tiny little pinhole called the puncta that it's like a little hole that acts like a vacuum cleaner, which is why when you cry, what happens when you cry? You notice your nasal cavity fills up with fluid, because that little suction, that little puncta suctions your tears and brings the content directly into your nasal cavity. And when somebody sneezes or coughs and these particles hit your eyes, those germs get absorbed immediately into your body. That said, if somebody around you coughs or sneezes, in addition to holding your breath, close your eyes. That's where these germs penetrate. All right, let's go through a few proactive things that you can do to increase your immune system. I shared the benefits of vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin. Another one that you want to add to your immune-boosting arsenal is vitamin C. But before you run out to the store and buy a vitamin C supplement... I need to stress, there are two different types of vitamin C. One's from nature, and the other one is synthetic, created by chemists in a lab. This synthetic vitamin C is also called ascorbic acid, and I devote an entire chapter on the topic of vitamins in my number one best-selling book, Food Sanity. So I'm not going to dive into too much deeply here, but I do want to share one thing. Several years ago, the Mind Sinai School of Medicine published a study showing vitamin C supplements cause... Genetic damage to people's genes and offspring. My office happens to be located 10 minutes from Takeda, one of the country's largest ascorbic acid plants, and one of their top chemists was a patient of mine. And when he came in for his next appointment, I showed him this Mount Sinai research, and I asked him what he had to say about it, thinking that he would oppose it, since, of course, he manufactures ascorbic acid, but that's not what happened. He said, oh, that doesn't surprise me. If you knew the toxic chemicals used to manufacture ascorbic acid you'd understand why it can damage human cells. And folks, he proceeded to share with me the chemicals that they use. They start with acetone, which is the same chemical ladies that's used in your nail polish remover. Then perchloric acid is added to the mix and that's the same ingredient used to make rocket fuel and explosives. Then benzene is added, that's a toxic chemical used in gasoline. Next they add caustic bleach and nickel and toluene, a poisonous solvent used in glues and paints and these chemicals they're filtered and processed and sold to you as vitamin C, ascorbic acid you know so after I confirmed what the chemist shared with me I wrote an article for a magazine sharing how ascorbic acid is created and one of my patients who's a big plumbing contractor came in and said Now it makes sense. And I asked him what he was referring to, and he said, I was the plumbing contractor for Takeda, and they had me use titanium pipes, which I've never used before. And after reading your article, I see why. Had I installed regular pipes, those chemicals would have eaten a hole through them in a few months. Folks, this ascorbic acid is what's used to make your vitamin C supplements. It's also an ingredient in your toaster pastries and soda pop and many other products. Look on the ingredients label. You'll see it. Stay away from it. Now I want to reiterate, I'm not saying vitamin C is bad. It's actually crucial for healthy immune system, but only the kind that's created by nature, Foods like oranges, lemons, papayas, and red peppers offer a great source of vitamin C. If you want to take a supplement vitamin C, go with natural sources like camu camu, see something that's on the label that says goji berries, or rose hips, or Escerola cherries, or gooseberries. These are all natural sources of vitamin C, which also contain several cofactors needed for the body to fully assimilate vitamin C. And these cofactors, guess what? They can't be created by chemists in a a lab only by nature. Okay, let's move on to another proactive natural product you can take. It has uh, antiviral antibacterial, antifungal properties. It's called Padiarco tea. I've been drinking this tea and recommending it to my patients for over 30 years. Padiarco has been used in traditional medicine in Central and South America for centuries, and research suggests that Padiarco helps stimulate the immune system and kills germs. In fact, people of South America have successfully used it for treating malaria. Padiarco is available, you'll find it in a pill powder tincture or and also in a tea, but the tea is more effective because heat releases the active ingredients of the inner bark. So Patiarcho, it's a great supplement. Another thing you want to do is eat foods that promote nitric oxide production. And nitric oxide is an essential molecule in our body. It's required for overall health and immunity. We have a lot of nitric oxide in our body as children, but as we age, our levels decline, and foods that help increase our nitric oxide levels include beets and garlic and green leafy vegetables and dark chocolate. But here's a little hack that you can do that has been scientifically proven to increase nitric oxide levels in the nasal cavity by 15 times. The nasal cavity, by the way, happens to be where the coronavirus first sets up shop. You want to hum. That's right. According to the uh, research published by the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine, humming increases nitric oxide levels so hum 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 out of your nostrils mm, 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 for good health another little tidbit about humming when you hum it increases your sense of taste by three times that's why when you eat something you enjoy you go mm, mm, good because you're humming it increases the taste try it next time you have food in your mouth see how it tastes and then hum and you'll see the difference big improvement all right we talked about gut health one of my favorite supplements that i take every day from my digestive system is called Serapeptase. it's a great digestive enzyme that helps reduce inflammation also it's recently been shown to exert antiviral effects by digesting the protein that coats a virus let me spell that for you it's s-e-r-r-a-p-e-p-t-a-s-e Serapeptase, wonderful product i take it every day for my gut health and one more product I'll share that I take daily to keep my immune system in check is called Carnivora. And this is a plant based product that's made from extracts of the Venus flytrap. And Carnivora contains 17 naturally occurring compounds that help support a healthy immune system. I remember first learning about it back in the 80s. President Ronald Reagan took Carnivora to strengthen his immune system. And having therapies from around the world at his disposal, President Reagan chose Carnivora to keep him from getting sick and you can check them out at carnivora.com and don't be fooled by counterfeit products sold elsewhere go to the source carnivora.com all right I have uh, several questions that have come in I think we have time to answer a few of them remember if I answer your question on the air I'm going to send you a signed copy of my number one best-selling book food sanity how to eat in a world of fads and fiction I'll also include my best-selling audiobook America's Unbalanced diet. Our first question comes from Brenda Givens from Michigan. This question was sent through the Food Sanity Forum on Facebook. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, Food Sanity Forum, come be part of this free culinary conundrum circle of friends. Just search Facebook for Food Sanity Forum and come join us. Brenda asks, uh, I received a Facebook message saying people taking ibuprofen are not surviving if they get the COVID-19 virus. Do you know if there is any truth to this? Great question, Brenda. You know, warnings that taking ibuprofen can cause COVID-19 to spread have gone viral. In fact, I've also gotten dozens of videos and private messages warning me not to take it. Is there any truth to this? Actually this information was based on legitimate study but it ended up getting flooded with a bunch of misinformation. On March 11th the article published by Lancet stated taking ibuprofen could be aggravating factor for the COVID-19 because it stimulates the body pr- to produce an enzyme that allows the virus to more easily invade human cells. Then the World Health Organization initially stated ibuprofen should be avoided when taking, you know, when treating COVID-19 patients but they later recanted their statement with an updated announcement that it was safe. And then they had the European Medicines Agency published a statement saying there's no scientific evidence linking ibuprofen and worse in COVID-19. So what do we believe? Well, if you look at the initial Lancet findings, they warned of the connection of ibuprofen and COVID-19. They really jumped the gun there. And they based the review on three early sets of COVID-19 cases in China. The research was flawed because it presented correlation and not an actual causation. In other words, just because two things occurred at the same time doesn't prove they're linked. The connection between ibuprofen and COVID-19 cannot be correlated since no statistical relationship has been proven. However, this doesn't get ibuprofen off the hook for not being contraindicated for people concerned about getting COVID-19. While the correlation of ibuprofen use causing a proliferation of the virus hasn't been established, what has been proven is the negative effect the drug has on the gut. In fact, ibuprofen is so destructive on the lining of the gut, people who are diagnosed with irritable bowel disease, Crohn's disease, and colitis are told by their doctor not to take this over-the-counter drug. Now, considering research does show 70% of our immune system is the gut, while ibuprofen hasn't been proven to increase the spread of the virus because the drug destroys the lining of our gut... It can lower our ability to fight the disease. Our next question comes from Susan Bodson from Connecticut. Why can't I take an antibiotic to kill the coronavirus? Great question, Susan. Well, first of all, a virus isn't considered alive. It's made up of DNA or RNA encapsulated in a protein shell and can only survive and replicate inside a living host. A bacteria, on the other hand, that's a living organism. That can be destroyed by an antibiotic. So if you break down the word antibiotic, anti means against, biotic means life. Since a virus doesn't fall into the living category, an antibiotic won't destroy it. Mike Shapiro from New York asks, I saw on the back of an old Lysol can I purchased years ago that it kills the coronavirus. How is that possible if the coronavirus is considered new? You know, Mike, I remember seeing photos of that go around uh, on Facebook, that old Lysol label showing the product kills coronavirus, and it fueled so much conspiracy cover-up theories that the government has lied to us about the existence of the coronavirus. It's not new, as they claim, but... Actually, scientists have known about the coronavirus since 1961. There are dozens of viruses in the coronavirus family, but only seven afflict humans. And four are known to cause mild colds in people, while others are more novel, deadly, and thought to be transmitted from animals. The common cold is considered a coronavirus. So is SARS and so is MERS. They do share structurally similarities to the current coronavirus, which is specific to a disease called COVID-19. And by the way, that abbreviation stands for Coronavirus Disease of 2019. So to answer your question, coronavirus is not new. Just the one that causes COVID-19 is new. And, you know, they're all transmitted the same fashion as the flu and the common cold by close contact with infected people from respiratory droplets when an infected person coughs or sneezes. All right. In closing, I want to give everyone hope above the fear. The coronavirus has a 98 percent recovery rate. And that's something you're not going to hear mentioned on the fear based news. You know, the media is only going to report on the 2 percent death rate because that creates the panic that helps make more money for them. Fear brings eyeballs, and eyeballs bring sponsors. And the majority of people that die from COVID-19, they're elderly or they're immunocompromised. So the best defense we have is taking proactive steps that will make our body less attractive to the coronavirus or any other disease-causing microorganism. You wanna wash your hands regularly, eat healthy and stay hydrated, keep your stress level down as much as possible, practice social distancing, but not sunshine and fresh air distancing, and doing these things is the best way to keep your immune system functioning at its optimal level, and most importantly, count your blessings. You know, we've all been inconvenienced like never before, but on a brighter note, most of you got to spend more time connecting with family and friends and doing projects that you've not had time to do before. And this could be spring cleaning, gardening, writing that book you've always wanted to, but you're just too busy. Focus on what brings you joy and what you're doing now and embrace that. You know, this too shall pass. We are strong and we are a resilient nation. We will get through this. And thanks everybody that sent in the questions. If you have one that you'd like me to answer, email me at askthedoctor at to your good health Radio. If I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning number one bestselling book. Food, sanity, how to eat in a world of fads and fiction. I'll include my audiobook, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you want to stay up to date with my latest articles, videos, and podcasts, go to drdavidfriedman.com. And while there, be sure and sign up for my free newsletter. You'll get all the latest health news, not doom and gloom news, good, healthy, Happy, friendly, faith, hope, and love news, good stuff that you can use right to your inbox. And you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at at Dr. D Friedman. If you heard me share something today that somebody could benefit from, send them a link to this podcast. Available at toyougoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.